take your Bibles, please. Turn to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 2. 2 Kings, chapter 2. We'll read verses 6 through 13 together. We'll read this passage responsibly. 2 Kings, chapter 2, verses 6 through 13. Second Kings, chapter 2, verses 6 through 13. We'll read this passage responsibly. Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee, hear, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went, and stood to view afar off. And they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle, and wrapped it together, and smote the waters. And they were divided hither and thither, so, they, uh, so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee, before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee, but if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. And he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. I'll read one other verse to you. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 14. You need not turn there. Proverbs 18, 14 says, The spirit of man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. And let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our church. Thank you that it can be said in our city, there is a man of God. Thank you for our preacher. Thank you that he's walked with you this week. He has spent time with you this week to bring back from heaven that which we need today. The Holy Spirit of God, work in our hearts. May we be attentive to you. May we be attentive to the preaching so that you can change our hearts and our lives the way you want them changed, please. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This morning, I will not rant and rave. I will not run across the platform, but I will guarantee you what I'm going to teach this morning will be revolutionary and it will save somebody's life. There's no doubt in my mind. None. No doubt at all. The sermon this morning is a two-part sermon. If it would help for me to get on my hands and knees and beg, I would beg of you, don't be satisfied in hearing the first half. Some of you desperately need what I'm about to say, and you need to be back this evening to hear the second half of the sermon. This sermon is a life or death type of a sermon. I have had this sermon prepared for many, many months. I was waiting for the strategic moment when I felt that, that God would have me to preach it. And no doubt in my mind, as even things have fallen out this morning, it is the perfect morning and the perfect time for it. 
Once you hear it, I think you ought to get the CD, some of you, and you need to listen to it over and over and over again. Some of you need to get this CD, you need to get it with a right spirit and give it to a friend, because you're going to have friends that are going to need what I'm going to teach. The sermon that I'll preach this morning and this evening is going to make the difference as to whether or not you stay married. I think the sermon that I'm going to preach this morning is going to make the difference whether or not you stay at the Shenandoah Bible Baptist Church or you stay in Martinsburg Christian Academy. It's going to make a difference as to whether or not you stay a functioning part of Christianity. You, every, every leader here, I want you to listen to me this morning because if you're a leader that will undergo any attack at all of Satan, you will need what I'm going to say if you plan to survive it. I want to, I, I, I won't preach hard. And I know we're weary, and I know the humidity's high, and I know we've had a long week, and there are visitors scattered throughout the auditorium that may not know how to behave during church, but I want everybody to pay attention and realize somebody, somebody, somebody must have what's said this morning. Therefore, we've got to lock in. We've got to concentrate. Let's let God do some big business in this auditorium this morning. The title of my sermon this morning is this, A Wounded Spirit. A Wounded Spirit. Spirit. I have to admit, I'm so excited. I am so excited about what I'm going to say to you this morning and this evening. I like rousing sermons. I like preaching hard and rough and tough, but I'll tell you, there's nothing I enjoy more than loving people and helping people. This morning, if you came to be helped, you will be helped. The Bible says in Proverbs 18:14, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? A wounded spirit who can bear. Let me take us, if I could please, to the passage of Scripture that we read together this morning in Second Kings chapter 2. I'm going to refer to it. The Bible, here's this story. The great Old Testament hero named Elijah was used by God. He was used by God to perform eight supernatural miracles. If you went in the Bible, you would find there are eight miracles that God used Elijah to perform. Elijah, in the passage we read this morning, is about to be taken to heaven, and he knows it. He has a loyal assistant by the name of Elisha. There's Elijah with a J and Elisha with an S-H in there. This loyal assistant, Elisha, is with Elijah. Elijah says to Elisha, stay here, I'm going to the other side of the Jordan River. Elisha says, I'm going with you, I will not leave thee. Elijah took his mantle and he smote the Jordan. You say, what's that mantle? It would have been a big old uh, piece of cloth, like a big heavy overcoat, if you will. Elijah took his mantle and he smote the Jordan River and the water parted and they both walked across uh, on dry ground. You talk about uh, a miracle occurrence. That's enough to preach on right there. Elijah turns to his loyal, faithful assistant and says, hey, Elisha, I'm going to heaven soon. What in the world? What could I do for you? You're always right there and you're always wanting to serve me. What could I do for you? And it's an amazing thing what Elisha says to Elijah. Elisha's answer is, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. That's found in verse number 9 of the passage that we read earlier. It said, let a double, and this is the exact words, let a double portion 
of thy spirit be upon me. So Elijah has asked Elisha, what can I do for you? I'm about to go to heaven. And Elisha says, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. This is not a request for the Holy Spirit. It was a request for Elijah's spirit. You see, Elijah uh, had a spirit. We all do. And he's saying, you give me a double portion of your spirit. Or maybe another way of saying it, hey, I'd like to have a double portion of your attitude. Elijah had a wonderful spirit about him. So wonderful that Elisha realized it was a big part of how, why God used Elijah. So when Elijah said, what do you want? Elisha said, your attitude or your spirit is so phenomenal, I would like to have a double portion of your spirit. Elijah was saying, and, and this is what Elijah said. Elijah said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Elijah says, if you see me when I'm taken up from you, actually, the quote is, if you see me when I am taken from thee, I shall, it shall be so. In other words, if you see me when God comes to take me up, then your request is going to take place. And, wonderful thing, Elisha does see Elijah translated to heaven. For those of you that don't know the Bible, God came and snatched Elijah up and took him to heaven. But Elisha was right there to see it happen. What's the big deal? Well, the promise had been, if Elisha would see Elijah when he went to heaven, that his request of a double portion of Elijah's spirit would come to pass. So Elisha wanted to be right there. And he was right there. Elisha then does receive a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Remember, we're not talking about the Holy Spirit now. This was about the spirit of Elijah. So, Elisha does receive this double portion of Elijah's spirit. Elisha then, if you know anything about the ministry of Elisha, you remember earlier I told you Elijah had done eight supernatural miracles? In the, in the story of Elisha's ministry, do you know how many supernatural miracles he did? Sixteen. Exactly double. Now, let me point out a miss. Uh, I think a mistruth here. Elisha does double the miracles. Elisha received a double dose of Elijah's spirit. But and, and you know what? He may have received a double dose of the Holy Spirit, but I believe he he asked for a double dose of Elisha's spirit. Now, Elijah, though, let me explain. Elijah had had a time of a wounded spirit. There was a time in the, in the, in the life and ministry of Elijah, he had a wounded spirit. First Kings chapter 19, what had happened is Elijah had gone to battle with some false prophets and he had to slay them all. After this battle, he ran and he hid. He went in 1 Kings 19. He hid by a brook and he hid under a juniper tree. And Queen Jezebel was so mad at him, she threatened. She said, you killed all my false prophets, Elijah, and I am going to make sure by sunset you are dead. And this mighty, powerful man of God named Elijah, who had just slain 450 false prophets, ran from a woman. 
he ran and he hid. And he went under this tree. He was out in the middle of nowhere and he was hiding. He was so depressed. He was so despondent. He was so down. He's under that tree. He's bummed out. He, he said, oh, there's nothing for me in life and everything's gone and I just wish I was dead. Wait a minute. This man had slain 450 false prophets. He outran a chariot to Jezreel. He had called down fire from the sky. Now he's hiding and he's depressed. Just so you all know, anytime you've experienced a great victory in life, there can be a letdown. So let's make sure that the old past conference, we don't have a letdown. We're going to have a get up. But now Elijah's underneath a juniper tree. He's depressed. He said, nobody out there stands like I stand. Nobody out there. This woman's chasing after me. She's going to kill me. He's down and he's depressed. Now let me explain something. I do not see any place in the scripture where Elisha had a wounded spirit. But I can take you to 1 Kings 19 where Elijah did have a wounded spirit. Elijah was used for eight miracles. Elisha was used for 16 miracles. And we might say that was because of a double dose of the Holy Spirit. And it might be. But he did not ask for a double dose of the Holy Spirit. He asked for a double dose of the spirit of Elijah. And your spirit has something to do with what God can do with you. Nowhere in the life of Elisha do we see that down, wounded spirit time where he got so down, so depressed, that he couldn't even function. Maybe that is why he had a double dose of the blessing of God on his life. Your spirit influences greatly how much God can use you. Not only the Holy Spirit, but your spirit. Your spirit influences how much your spiritual leaders feel they can trust you and use you. John said to a man named Gaius in the New Testament, 3 John chapter 2, John says to this man, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prosperous. Here, someone's attitude was so healthy... The man of God came along and said, Boy, I wish your body was as spiritual as your attitude or your spirit is. Hey, is your body healthy? But is your attitude terminally ill? You say, I've got a healthy body. How's your spirit? How healthy is your spirit? Now, if you'll stay with me, I want to teach you about a wounded spirit. First of all, May I start out by saying man is made of three parts. Man is made up of three parts. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26, the Bible says this, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Now, notice, it uses the word, let us make man in our image. Those words are plural, us and our. This is back at the time of creation. Before man was ever created, somebody said, let us create man in our image. That us and our, that is the Godhead, that is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit talking about the creation of man. So God the Father said to God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image. 
You see, our God is a three-part God. There is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. These three parts make up one God, you say, but I want to explain that. Don't want to explain it, can't explain it, just want to believe it. Because that's what the Bible says. Our God is a three-part God, but He's one God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And they decided back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, to create man. They were going to create man in the image of God, which means man would be created in three parts. It's a little bit like the egg. The egg has a shell, a white, and a yolk, but it's one egg. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There are three parts, but there is one God. But man is made up of three parts. Man has a body, man has a soul, and man has a spirit. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 7 says, God formed man of the dust of the ground. There's the shell of man, that's the body. Then we see in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, the last half of it, it says, And man became a living soul. There's the soul. That's the right of the egg, if you will. Then finally in Romans eight sixteen, the Bible says, The Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. There's a third part of man, his spirit, that is the yoke of the egg. My body is the shell. My soul is the white. My spirit is on that inside of me. And we are a three-part man. And let me say, you need to keep all three parts of you healthy. All three parts of you have to be kept healthy. How? Hey, how, how healthy is what's going on inside you? There's all sorts of people that can look good on the outside, but inside they're full of anger and hatred and bitterness and jealousy and wrath and clamor. You're to keep the inside of you healthy, not just the outside. Some of you, you, it's a good thing you have such good people skills. You can just talk to people on the outside, be so friendly and kind all the time while you're hating someone standing right beside them. You are to keep the inside of you healthy as well. So, man is made of three parts. Body, soul, and spirit. Why? Because man was created in the image of God. Number two, we must know the difference between God's spirit and man's spirit. In the scripture, there is definitely a difference. In Romans 8.16, this passage of scripture, it says, The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, let me point something out to you. In that scripture, it says, The spirit itself beareth witness. The word spirit there has a capital S. That capital S on the word spirit there, it is capitalized in respect and out of respect to God. That's telling us that is the Holy Spirit. So it says, the spirit, capital S, beareth witness with our spirit, small s. There's a difference. There's a difference between the Holy Spirit and our spirit. You see, that small s is referring to our spirit. That capital S is referring to the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, the Spirit, God, beareth witness with our spirit, man, that we are the children of God. There are other scriptures that refer to the spirit of man. First Timothy chapter 4, verse number 12 says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, small s, in faith, in purity. That is Paul saying to Timothy, you, you have a spirit, Timothy. 
1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 4, they refer to a spirit, the same spirit, but it's inside a woman. The Bible says, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of, of, of great price. Hey, we see now, God in the scripture has referred to a man having a spirit, and the same spirit inside a woman, and that spirit is different than the Holy Spirit. Folks, when you read your Bible, please look for the difference between the spirit of God and the spirit of man, because they are indeed different. When you teach the Scripture, make sure you teach properly the difference between the spirit of man and the spirit of God. So first of all, man's made of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. And we have to understand there is a difference between the spirit of God and the spirit of man. Let me say this then. Number three, God, the Spirit, can be wounded. God, the Spirit, can be wounded. The Holy Spirit is compared to a dove. The Bible says in Matthew 3.16, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Here the Bible's telling us that the Holy Spirit is very sensitive. Did you know, and I preached a sermon here, oh, a year or so ago, called Don't Spook the Dove. You've got to be very careful with the Holy Spirit of God. You get around the dove, a dove can be spooked. That old bird can just take right off on you. You've got to be sensitive. The Holy Spirit of God, hey, the Holy Spirit of God, if you don't want Him around, don't worry, He won't come around. He can be spooked. He can be chased off. He can be, you you can kind of scare him to fight. It's not that he's afraid of you. If you don't want him, he doesn't want to be around. Let me warn everybody at the Shenandoah Bible Baptist Church. We get to experience the heavenly God on our church and our church services. We've got to protect that. You got a bad attitude. You either get it fixed or go somewhere else, but don't you destroy the spirit of our church. We've worked hard, and God looks down, and He says, Look at that. Look at those people and the Spirit there. God likes that. But you understand, the Spirit of God, you can chase it away. For instance, did you know the Holy Spirit can be grieved? Ephesians 4.30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed into the day of redemption. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God can be pushed away. The Spirit of God can... Virtually the communication between you and Him or Him and the church can be wounded to where He says, I'm stepping away. Did you know that you can quench the Spirit of God? The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, Quench not the Spirit. You see, our behavior can injure His influence upon us. Don't reject or limit His influence on you. Now stay with me. Let me say, first of all, I said this, man's made of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. Number two, we must see the difference between God's Holy Spirit and the spirit of man. Number three, the spirit of God can be wounded or pushed away or you could call it grieved or quenched. Number four, man's spirit can be wounded. Man's spirit can be wounded. First of all, I could wound yours, you could wound mine, but worse yet, you can wound yours. Of course, God's spirit is holy and perfect. 
man's spirit is tainted and imperfect. But wait a minute, you've got to remember, he said, let us create man in our image. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, man's created with a body, a soul, and a spirit. And to some degree, that spirit that you have has certain functions that are a little bit like the Spirit of God. Why? We were created in His likeness. And if the Holy Spirit of God can be pushed away, if the Holy Spirit of God can retract, hey, guess what can happen to you? You can push on your spirit, and you can cause your spirit to retract. Hey, if the Holy Spirit of God can be quenched, so can your spirit. If the Holy Spirit of God can be grieved, so can your spirit. The Bible talks about it. For instance, the Bible speaks of a sorrowful spirit. Speaking of Hannah, says in 1 Samuel 1.15, And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. Here's the woman said, I have a sorrowful spirit. Her spirit, her attitude within her was pressed down. Hey, you remember the story of Elijah under a juniper tree, whining and moaning and groaning and under a depression that he should have been under. Here, Hannah said, she said, I am not. And actually in this passage of Scripture, somebody said, look, look, she's so miserable. You'd think she was depressed and drunk. She said, I'm not drunk. I'm of a sorrowful spirit. The Bible says in Proverbs 17.22 that you can have a broken spirit. It says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. You listen to me, folks. Some of you are going to ruin your health by your attitude. The Bible says bad attitude ruins your bones. I told Brother Bajent this. Brother Bajent's fighting for his life. He's got cancer. And I told him, I said, I, he, we met and we counseled. I said, Brother Bajent, don't watch anything on television. Don't look at all the negatives. We're going to get you all the things that we can to encourage your spirit, make your spirit happy. We've got to keep you on top side. Why? If we can get his spirit happy, that will give him a positive outlook. It will have something to do with his healing. You say, what makes you think that? Because the Bible says so, and I believe the Bible. I think this is the greatest medical book on the face of the earth. And so I say, and so I lend him my Gomer Pyle DVD. Didn't give him to you, buddy. I don't love you that much. Give my Gomer Pyle. Give mine. Did you know that you can have a wounded heart? The Bible says in Psalm 109, verse 22, For I am poor and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. That is not talking about the physical organ of the heart. It means down inside you, your spirit, your attitude, it's wounded. Something's wrong with it. Men's spirits can be wounded or damaged. Proverbs 18, 14, it says, The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear I have seen people with wounded spirits. There are some sitting in this auditorium today. Notice it says, who can bear? You let your spirit get to that point. Who can bear it? God's saying, you got yourself in a fix. You got yourself down. A wounded spirit would be, be as serious as a physical heart injury. 
A wounded spirit is like a vital organ that is bleeding spiritually and you could bleed to death if you don't fix it. You'll find yourself behaving in ways you never thought you would behave with attitudes you never thought you would have in situations you never thought you'd find yourself. Why? You have a wounded spirit. There's something, hey, there's something more important than what's going on on the outside of you. It's what's going on on the inside of you. I've watched people with terrible health on the outside that were fine and dandy on the inside. I've watched others with great health on the outside that have a funny attitude on the inside and they are destroying themselves. A wounded spirit. I like this. You've got to protect your spirit. An elderly Italian man lay dying in his bed. While suffering the agonies of impending death, he suddenly smelled the aroma of his favorite Italian sprinkle cookies coming up the stairs. Gathering his remaining strength, he lifted himself from the bed. Leaning against the wall, he slowly made his way out of the bedroom. With every, and with even greater effort, gripping the railing in both hands, he crawled down the stairs. With labored breath, he leaned against the door frame, gazing into the kitchen. Were, 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 if it not death agony, he would, he would even thought himself already in heaven. For there spread out upon wax paper on the kitchen table were literally hundreds of his favorite sprinkle cookies. Was it heaven? Or was it one final act of heroic deep love from his devoted Italian wife of 60 years, seeing to it that he would leave this world a happy man with sprinkle cookies right before he passed? Mustering one great final effort, he threw himself toward the table, landing on his knees in crumpled uh, posture. He parched his uh, he, he parched his lips, and they parted. the The wondrous taste of the cookie was already in his mouth, seemingly bringing him back to life for a moment. The aged and withered hand trembled on its way to a cookie at the edge of the table when it was suddenly smacked in the back by a spatula and his wife. She said, "Back off! Back off! Those are for the funeral." You gotta protect your spirit. Many ever been there? Many a time I've reached for the brownies to be told they were for someone she loved. Every woman knows if you're gonna make brownies for the church, you better make them for your house too. Man, man, stay with me here. If you're going to make apple pie, you make some for me. If you're going to make fried chicken, you make some for me. I'm a part of the church. I knew I'd get you. Number one, let me remind you that a man is made of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. There is a difference between the Holy Spirit and the spirit of man. The Holy Spirit can be wounded, and so can man's spirit be wounded. Let me give you some signs. Now, let me explain something, folks. I spend my life with people. People is my life. It's what I do. Helping people. Rebuilding people. Trying to salvage people. Trying to get, keep, keep people from self-destructing. But I, I, what I'm about to tell you, you're not going to find it in any psychology book. You're not going to find it on the, the Internet from some uh, psychologist. You listen, and I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you what the signs of a wounded spirit. And I just have to tell you right now, I'm not going to get all the way through the sermon. In a moment, we're going to set it down, and I'm going to finish it tonight. I beg of you, I beg of you, you come back tonight and get what God has for you. It'll save your life. What are the signs of a wounded spirit? Well, let me explain. A wound hurts. A wound is touchy. A wound is painful. A wound is sensitive. 
A wound aches. A wound may swell. A wound may throb. Prior to that wound, you could touch the area of the wound, or you could slap the area, but there was no pain. But now it's wounded. You see, there's, you, you, you take, for instance, you could easily bear a slap. But now that there's a wound, you can't bear the slap. Now the wound weakens your one-time tolerance for pain. And one wound can cause other wounds to hurt. You see, there are some of you, you are hypersensitive today to something you were really tough on a year ago, but what happened? You let your spirit get wounded. And the bruise of that spirit is now affecting you in, in, in many aspects of life. And, and let me tell you something. I should have a wounded spirit, but I do not. My spirit is healthy. I am on top side. Your pastor is not depressed. He's not given up. He's not given up on his church. He's not given up on mankind. He's not given up on America. But I should have a wounded spirit. But I chose not to have a wounded spirit. I don't want to have a wounded spirit. I have made plans not to have a wounded spirit. What are the signs of a wounded spirit? Well, here's one. A desire to run. Wounded animals want to run and hide. Ask any hunter. Shoot a deer. He's going to run. He's going to try to. He's going to. He's going to burrow in back behind. He'll get up under a bunch of into a thicket. He runs and hides. Hunters, am I right? Yes, sir. That's what happens. A, 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 there's a desire to run. We we want to go lick our wounds. A wounded deer will run and hide under a thicket or deep in the woods. I shot a deer this year. I'm very disappointed. Shot a, I, I shot a deer. I know I hit that deer. I could not find it. I, could, I looked and I looked and I looked. I'll tell you what. He was in the deepest, darkest thicket. And when, and, and when, 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 the, when the weather and everything broke, I finally found him. Not by seeing him. By smelling him. But when somebody has a wounded spirit, they have a desire to run. Some of you have done that before. You got a wounded spirit and you ran away from God and you ran away from the church. I'm just telling you, this is what happens. They want to start quitting the good things that they do. The minute people start giving up their duties, there is probably a process of a wounded spirit coming. They've either started the process or the process is already underway. They give up good things. Why give up something good because something bad happened to you? That doesn't even make any spiritual sense. But what happens when your spirit is wounded? This is what happens. We want to we have a desire run. Here's another sign of wounded spirit. Increased rage and decreased temper control. Now, for some of you got bad tempers and you don't have a wounded spirit. You just need to control your temper. But, along with the wounded spirit, there comes, there comes rage. Wounded animals will lash out at you unpredictably. My parents always told me, I was the kind of boy, I was always dragging some stray dog or stray cat home. I mean, every time you turn around, I'd say, Dad, can I keep it? No, no, you can't keep it. What are we going to do with it? I don't know, but you can't keep it. My parents were constantly warning me. My dad would say, now, son, you, you ever go try to help a wounded dog? They're liable to bite you, not because they're mad at you, but they're wounded. Folks, there are some times when people have a wounded spirit, you'll see it. As a matter of fact, Hosea chapter 13, verse number 8 says, I will meet them as a bear that is bereaved of her wealth, and will rend the call of their heart, and there, there will I devour them like a lion, and a wild beast shall, shall tear them. If the Bible talks about a bear robbed of her wealth, and she's got a spirit that's wounded, and you better watch out. A wounded bear will attack even the innocent. 
There's some of you, you've had a wounded spirit, and somebody that never did you any harm, somebody that never meant to do you any harm, you tore into them and you hurt them too, and they didn't do a thing to you. You see, that's a sign of a wounded spirit. sign of a wounded spirit is no control over your tongue. You see, quicker than usual, you'll criticize and tear others down. Like a wounded dog barking and, 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 and making noise. You see, what you once may have thought critically, but would have never spoken, you now lash out and speak without any control. That's a sign of the wound. That wounded spirit cuts loose some things from inside you, and you'll, you just say what you want and the way you want. It doesn't matter to you how you affect each other. Uh, uh, whatever happens to propriety, did you know that everything that's in your heart and mind shouldn't be coming out your mouth? What are the signs of a wounded spirit? In, here's another. Increased sensitivity. Somebody with a wounded spirit, they're just, just hypersensitive to everything. Wearing your feelings on your cuff. Everything offends you. I mean, there are people who say, I don't know what to say. But if I don't say, they're going to be mad. But if I do say, they're going to be mad. Do you have a wounded spirit? Everything hurts you. Everything. There's somebody like this in your marriage. Stay with me now, folks. You take everything personally. Why? You have a wounded spirit. Wounded spirit, no control over the tongue. Wounded spirit, a desire to run. Wounded spirit, increased rage and temper. Wounded spirit, increased sensitivity. Hey, and somebody with a wounded spirit, you become very self-centered. Very quickly. Uh, you're constantly thinking of how everything affects you. Every in, in the church, somebody with a wounded spirit, everything that goes on with anybody else somehow affects you. Well, I wanted that. I want to do this. Why can't I do that? Well, well I'm left out. What about what uh, they're doing? Oh, no. Oh, look at that. Oh, no. Oh, every, everybody gets to do everything but me. I'm going to run and hide. And I'm not going to I'm going to let everybody know. I wouldn't have said anything until I got to this point. It's called a wounded spirit. We become very self-centered. This sermon, you're saying, he knew I was coming. Right now. Right now. You're, you may be mad at me already. You may leave today and call someone or on the way home and say, that's why I don't like you. <laughs> you stop being concerned about unity in the church and as the church being a family and decide really it's all about you. You build a wall to keep that out, but it keeps good out also. A wounded spirit. It's a constant feeling. Of, you think everybody and everything's attacking you. There's an insecurity. There's a spiritual paranoia. Any preaching or instruction is an attack on you. It's out to get you. It's all about you. What are these? These are signs of a wounded spirit. What's a sign of a wounded spirit? You're impossible to satisfy. When somebody has a wounded spirit, the satisfaction is virtually no longer in their, in, 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 in their vocabulary. Nothing is good enough. Nothing or nobody can satisfy you. If I give you this, you don't want that. If I give you that, you don't want that. If she does this for you, that's not what you want. But if she does that for you, that's not what you want. So I can even turn it over to you and say, what do you want? You can tell me, but the minute I give you what you asked me for, it's not really what you wanted anyway, because you can't be satisfied. Why? Down inside you, you have an internal spiritual organ that is beat up and not functioning properly, and you're not, you're not healthy. 
Let's go on. What's another sign of a spiritually wounded person or having a wounded spirit? You become pessimistic person instead of optimistic. Folks, Christians are supposed to be positive. You know that I can face reality and still be positive? I can, I can, I can face it. America's having a lot of struggles and still be positive that God's still on the throne. I can face the fact that there is a tough economy out there and still say, but my father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. I can face the fact, I can face the fact that in America morality has dropped, but I can say it has increased in our lives. But a spirit, a, a person that has a wounded spirit, they become pessimistic instead of being optimistic. Now, some of you have to face it. You've been a pessimist all your life. You were reared by a pessimist. You've got an attitude, of a negative attitude. You look on the downside instead of the upside. So that doesn't necessarily mean you had a wounded spirit. But I am going to tell you, one of the things that is a proof of a wounded spirit is that we stop looking on the bright side of things and we look at the negative side of things. Everything has a negative attached to it. You can't find total good about anything. Your cup is half empty instead of half full. You see the pain and not the gain. Let me give you another sign of a wounded spirit. The feeling you can't do anything well enough to please others. The feeling that you can't do anything well enough to please others. Stay with me as I explain this. Maybe it's your fault. Maybe you're down on you. Maybe you're doing fine, but you're down on you because your spirit's down and you're discouraged and you're seeing negative and you're a pessimist. Maybe you're down on you because it's a part of your wounded spirit. But the feeling that you can't do anything well enough, hey, maybe it's somebody else's fault. Maybe, maybe it is you can't do anything well enough to please anybody else. But the problem is that, that you're down on you. Maybe it's somebody else's fault. Maybe you're down on others. Are accomplishments now out of reach for you? Are you to the point where you say, phooey on it all, phooey on it all, can't please anybody, or can't please myself? You take the wound to the Spirit, you'll be given up on things. Remember that. If you have a wounded Spirit, you'll have a feeling of hopelessness. There's nothing for you. Why go on? It's all gone. You've just been abused by whatever to the point of your life's ruined. Let me remind everybody in this room, if you are alive, then God has a purpose for your life. Do something with it. And don't blame me and don't blame the church. Do something with your life. Oh, we feel hopeless. I, and we'll never tell people this. Some will. To the point of, I just wish I were dead. How Elijah felt. He was that far down. Oh, that I might die. A wounded spirit. What will it do? It'll make us so hopeless. And we just say, I, 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 I would rather die. Or we act like a dead person, making no progression in life, just sat there under the thicket of life because we're wounded, licking our own wounds, being negative, 
I can't do anything right for anybody. Nobody likes the way I do it. Everybody attacks me. Everything's against me. I, you're impossible to satisfy. It wouldn't matter if anybody tried to help you or not. I want to run, but I don't know where to run to. You get too close to me, I'm going to launch out and, and, and attack you. There's a self-centeredness. Now, folks, this is what I do. I know what I'm describing right now. Then you dwell on the negatives. You focus on your hurt instead of your healing. You mentally intensify your hurt by driving the stake deeper and deeper into your own heart. Shouldn't have happened to me. And I, this is not right that it happened to me, to me, to me. And you just drive it deeper. And you say, I have a right to hurt. And I want to hurt. You will drive your spirit to the grave if you're not careful. When it happens to me, I try to pick myself up, shake it off, and say, I'm going on. I'm going on. And then finally, one of the most dangerous is this. Then you don't trust anyone, or you won't trust anyone. Nobody really cares about you. Nobody can really be trusted. Nobody is good enough that you can trust your life in their hands. Nobody's really sincere. These are all a bunch of fakes. Nobody's real. This is all a ploy. What you're doing right now is just all psychology, brother. It is a preaching of the Word of God trying to heal the infirmity of some spiritual people that need to get on top side. That's what it is. Might just be too smart for your own spiritual bridges. Nobody's really trustworthy. Now look, folks, as human beings, we're going to hurt each other, but there are some people that work pretty hard at not hurting people. But, but, but those are some of the, the signs. So what have we learned thus far? We said this, number one, man is made of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. Number two, we've got to know the difference between God's spirit and man's spirit, and there is. I said number three, God, the spirit, can be quenched, grieved, wounded, if you will. Number four, man's spirit can be wounded. Number five, what are the signs of this wounded spirit? Well, a desire to run, increased rage or temper, no control over the tongue, increased sensitivity, very self-centered, constant feeling of attack, impossible to satisfy, pessimism over optimism, feeling you can't do anything to please anybody, a feeling of hopelessness. You dwell on the negative and almost enjoy the negative. It's almost an excuse that you use to keep you down to justify not getting up. And then most dangerous, now you don't trust anybody. You don't really trust that anybody cares about you. you want, you've even wondered if God really knows what's going on here. How in the world did this all happen to you? Now let me tell you, I'm going to give you a few of the steps to heal a wounded spirit. But I'll just be honest. I knew there was no way I could preach this in one setting. I'll preach the rest of the night. I hope you are not so senseless that you won't come back and get it. I, and I know that's straightforward. But somebody here, you're going to let something keep you from coming back tonight. We could save your life. We could save your marriage. As you've listened thus far, you're saying, boy, this is right down the, this is right down the, 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 the road there. That's just right. Yes, it is. Now, what do I do if, 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 I, if I want to heal a wounded spirit? 
First of all, Jeremiah 30, verse 17 says, For I will restore health unto thee, and I will heal, heal thee of thy wounds. Now, here in Jeremiah 30, 17, there wasn't anybody physically wounded. There was somebody internally wounded. These are not physical wounds. God said, I can help you. I can help heal the internal wound. And it must be healed or you will destroy yourself. Proverbs 16, 14, The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. But a wounded spirit, who can bear? It's unbearable. A wounded spirit will overpower you. You must get it healed, and you need to get it healed quickly. So what do I do? Here's one thing I would do. I would ask the Holy Spirit to heal your spirit. John fourteen twenty six it says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. You see, his spirit can help to heal your spirit. Somebody here needs to admit, okay, I've got a wounded spirit. If we accomplish nothing other than that this morning, if you just sit there and say, you know what, you described me to the T. I don't care what you say to somebody else. I mean you, inside you. We, we lie to each other. The human race, we, we cover. You need to say to you, okay, everything you just described, I have experienced, and I am going backwards, not forwards. I, I may have a wounded spirit here. Then, after you've admitted it, you go to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit of God, my spirit was created in your likeness, and the Holy Spirit of God, I, I'm going to have to have a healing here. I need healed of my wounded spirit. And you say, well, I'm not sure if I've got a wounded spirit or not. Ask God if you do. If you've got the courage, you'd come ask me. There's some of you, I can tell you the truth. I'm a doctor. I've been in the ER with many people. But your spirit is going to have to sustain me saying, yeah, I believe you do. What do you do next? You better get around a spirit refresher. You better come to a church that will patch up your spirit. You better get around somebody that knows how to heal people from the inside out. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 17 and 18, I am glad of the coming of Stephanaeus and Fortunatus and Archaeus, for that which was lacking on your part they have supplied, for they have refreshed my spirit. Here are three people that the Apostle Paul said, I was down and I knew where to go. There were three people that knew how to refresh my spirit. These people were known as spirit refreshers. Paul, you look at what everything that Paul went through. I mean, Paul was shipwrecked and thrown into jail and beaten and lied upon, beaten again, lied upon again, everywhere Paul went. He went into town, took his suitcase, went down to the jail, left it there and said, I'll leave my luggage here because I know I'm coming sooner or later on my visit. They'd throw him in jail. He just snot out of him time after time after time. Paul's spirit could get down, but Paul said, I know where to run. First of all, you run to the Holy Spirit of God. Number two, you run to people that have control of their spirit. You better find somebody that's not, you better, you won't like this, you better find somebody that makes their decisions not based on emotion, but principle. That's what you got to find. Notice somebody, and it says here, this is what Paul said here in 1 Corinthians 17 and 18. It says, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. You know what happened? Paul had been around some people that didn't know how to repress spirits. And Paul said, it's a good thing I went and found my three spirit refreshers because when I found them, they refreshed my spirit. Thanks. You didn't do it. Hey, you a spirit refresher? People lead you up or lead you down. 
People leave you on top side or bottom side. People leave you, hey, people leave you optimistic or pessimistic. So what, do I, what am I going to do? I've got a wounded spirit. You go to the Holy Spirit and ask Him to begin to heal you. Then you find spirit refreshers. If your spirit is down and down bad and, and you need help, you come, you hear this sermon this morning and you hear this sermon tonight and you say, I'm still struggling. You come see me. I'll show you how to get your spirit on top side. I'll show you how to heal it. I want to help you heal your spirit. You think I want people mad at my church and mad at me and mad at God and mad at each other and unfulfilled in life? Why no? That's the purpose of the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you got to watch out. There's a thing called a wounded spirit. And some of you, I explained yours to you. You've seen yourself in a mirror. Now what do I do? Don't quit your responsibilities. And if you do, humbly seek to regain them. Why? Well, one of the points is, I'm running. I'm done. I'm out of here. A wounded spirit destroys our productivity. So, I said, number one, go to the Holy Spirit. Let Him help to heal you. I said, number two, get around the spirit refresher and spirit refreshers. Number three, don't quit your responsibilities. And this is the last point I'm going to give you today. Number four, don't run from your pastor or other leaders. My job as your pastor is to help you keep a healthy, healthy spirit. And I can help you with that. I've, I've, I've had people, and I'm not trying to be unkind to anybody. I've had people leave here, upset at us, go somewhere else, but they couldn't get their spirit healed. They said, I, I can't find that out there. I can't find someone that will help me with the internal attitude. Now, there are people out there that can do it. They just didn't find it. But your pastor help you with that. He said, but it's you I'm mad at. Come and I'll help you heal through it. If I'm wrong, I'll admit it. But running won't fix your broken spirit. Running has never fixed a broken spirit. When you're bit by a snake, you don't run. You plop her down there and get help. If you run, you pump the poison through your system and you die faster. Ask anybody. Don't run from your pastor. The devil wants you to run. Get to your spirit healers. Get to your assistant pastors. Get to your, your Sunday school teachers. Look right this way. A wounded spirit. Tonight, I beg of you, I've got to stop. I want you to come back. I'm going to tell you the other things you do to heal your spirit. Then I'm going to show all of you tonight how to avoid a wounded spirit. I'll show you how to avoid it. You, it happened to you this time. I'm going to show you how not to let it happen to you again. Folks, we're in this for real. I don't know about you, but I want to go all the way to the end till Jesus comes back or I die. I want to pastor the Shenandoah Bible Baptist Church. I want to love you. I want you to love me. I want us to love each other. I want us to go out and conquer a lost and dying world. But if we can't take care of our own spirit, how are we going to help everybody else? We've got to be strong. We've got to be strong. And the Bible teaches there's a way. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior... You do not have the Holy Spirit of God living within you. You need to be born again or your spirit is going to be quenched just constantly. You have to have the Holy Spirit to help help to heal your spirit. You say, what's the first thing to do, Brother Owens, if I'm not saved? Get saved today. Get saved. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed.
you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want you to get saved. I'm not talking about, did you, did you get baptized? I'm talking about, are you saved? I'm not talking about, did you join a church somewhere along the way? I'm talking about, did you get saved? If you're here and you've never been saved, I want to I pray for you. And I want you to get born again. Is there anybody here at all that would say, Preacher, if I died today, I do not know for a fact I would go to heaven. Pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you raise your hand and say, That's me. Raise your hand say, That's me. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. And there's another and another. I realize I've not spoken on salvation today, but the Holy Spirit of God has permeated this place. I'm just sure there'll be people get saved. There's another hand. Who else should say, I'm not saved. I'm not saved. You raise your hand. Father, please save these. Now, those of you that raise your hand, let me explain something to you. In a matter of just a moment, we're going to have what's called an altar call. In a second, the choir will begin to sing. The men that are sitting on this platform will step off the platform and post themselves down front at the end of each aisle. If you're not saved, whether it's in the balcony or the lower floor, I want you to leave your seat. I want you to walk down the aisle, walk up to one of the men and say, I want to be born again. And somebody will take a Bible in a matter of a few minutes show you how to be born again. And you can get started on the healing of your spirit so you can have a happy life. But you've got to be spiritually born again before the Holy Spirit can do its work. Let me turn to those that are saved. Who here would say, Brother Owens, I believe. I either have a wounded spirit or I see its potential in my life. I thank God He's dealing with me and I thank God there's something happening. I, 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 want, I want help with it. I want God to help me with it. Who here would raise your hand and say, that's me. Their hand's everywhere. They are everywhere. God bless you. You may put your hand down. If you need this altar for a moment, you ought to thank God for an old black book that shows you how to heal your spirit. Some of you need to leave your seat, come down here and get on your face and say, God, I want to get started on this thing. And tonight, some of you need to just plan on it. promise, I'll be here tonight. I'm not missing it. And let us take you the next two steps of the way so you'll know what to do with it. If you're here and you've been saved but never made it public, I want you to come. If you're here and you've never been baptized, I want you to come. If you're looking for an old-fashioned, independent, fundamental, King James Bible-only Baptist church, that's what we are. If you've been saved and baptized by immersion after your salvation and you want to join this church, you come see us. We'd be glad to have you join. Somebody here, you're a spirit douser instead of refresher. Somebody here needs to change the way you are.